0: Hi everybody this is uh, Al Franken today I want to talk about something that really bothers me and I'm sure you too which is Trump replacing Jeff Sessions as AG uh, with Matt Whitaker a man who's manifestly not qualified for the job Whitaker as you know is now acting Attorney General now Sessions of course had to recuse himself on the Mueller investigation uh, which seems to be coming to a head But Whitaker, who has been openly very critical of the Mueller investigation on TV, calling it a witch hunt, as of now has the power to shut it down and even prevent Mueller's report from being made public or sent to Congress. So as this investigation is coming to a head, we are very possibly looking at a potential constitutional crisis, which has me worried about our democracy. So I wanted to use Whitaker as an entryway into the threat that Donald Trump poses to our very democracy, and I'm going to discuss that with David Frum, the author of Trumpocracy, The Corruption of the American Republic. But first, I I just want to do something personal. Now, I did not expect to talk about personal stuff here, mainly policy, but stuff happens. I was in... St. Paul, and I was in a car accident. Now, when you say that, the first question is, "Are you okay?" And I was. And then the, the second thing he asked was, "Was it your fault, Al?" And uh, it wasn't. This is what happened. I was going toward an intersection, and I had a green light, a green light, and I was going about I'd say 35 miles an hour, and I entered the intersection, expecting that I would go through the intersection and and out the intersection. And in the middle of the intersection, about a 16th of a second before I was hit, I saw this car coming right at me and broadsided me and uh, actually totaled my car. And I kind of rolled my car, was able to roll through the intersection and to the curb. And then a few minutes later, the guy who hit me, drove up he was still his car was fine Uh, not fine it was crumpled up at the front and the driver who was 23 we exchanged our information i got his license said uh, this was my fault i went through a red light and i'm glad you're okay and i said i'm glad you're okay and then a witness came and he came up to us and said are you guys okay We said, yes, we're okay. And then he said, I witnessed this. He went through the red light pointing to the guy who hit me, and uh, it's his fault. And I said, could I get you guys on video? And he said, yeah. And he said, by the way, I have it on my dash cam. He had the accident on his dash cam, and I went, well, that's nice. I don't know who does that, but he did. Then I did the videotape, and the driver who was 23, we exchanged our information. I got his license. I said, uh, this was my fault. I went through a red light, and I'm glad you're okay. And I said, I'm glad you're okay. And then the uh, witness said, it was his fault. He went through a red light. I'm glad you're both okay. <laughs> and so the, it, this was very Minnesota, the, is the point here. This is Minnesota. Policeman comes He's really nice. He asks if we're okay, and we're okay, and he's glad that we're okay. And then uh, he gives us uh, some uh, paperwork to, to fill out later and mail in. The, my car is done, so I get a tow truck and uh, call in, and the, the driver comes pick me up, and uh, we, I ride with him to the body shop, and, of course, he asked me if I was okay, and I was, and he was very happy about that. We get to the body shop. The guy who hit me is there at the body shop because he had damage to his car, and it turns out, I learned, that this is his second accident that month. And the other one was his fault, too. So the bo- guy from the body shop takes me aside and he goes, like, um, the reason he went through the light is that he wasn't looking up, that he was looking down. He he was texting. And I see this all the time. And I remember, I can't not remember, five years before this, my former scheduler in Minnesota lost her nephew to a driver who was texting. He was riding a bike in his own neighborhood, and the guy just turned into him. So I, I went back to the Senate, and I t- tried to pass a piece of legislation on distracted driving. And most distracted driving is is texting and I couldn't get it done I couldn't get it done because uh, you know most road stuff driving stuff is state and, and local and I couldn't couldn't get it done so I, and I looked up the data and about 3400 Americans die every year from distracted driving so if you're listening to this while you're driving or not while you're driving don't text and drive. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Even if it's like uh, you hear the bing and then you go, hmm, it's are you going to the ball game? And it's only a yes or a no. I mean, I can look at that. Don't do that. Not worth it. Okay, back to Matt Whitaker, a perfect example of the kind of people that Trump appoints to high office. He was a U.S. attorney for Southern Iowa Uh, After that, he joined the advisory board of a shady outfit called World Patent Marketing. This is a company uh, that paid a $26 million judgment ordered by a federal judge for defrauding inventors. World Patent Marketing had advertised itself as a company that would help inventors patent and market their inventions. And the Federal Trade Commission found that they were ripping off these inventors. And Whitaker's job was to field complaints from defrauded investors and intimidate them and threaten to sue them for defamation if the inventor, say, went to the Better Business Bureau. And now this guy is acting attorney general, replacing Jeff Sessions, who had recused himself on the Mueller investigation. And I was partly responsible For that, during his confirmation hearing, then-Senator Sessions answered a question of mine by saying that he had not met with any Russians uh, during the campaign. The Washington Post discovered that he had met with the Russian ambassador at least twice during the campaign and published that seven weeks later. So Sessions recused himself from the Mueller investigation, and the president was, was pissed. Now, as it turns out, Sessions would have had to recuse himself anyway. Anyone in the Justice Department who was part of a political campaign has to recuse himself from any investigation of, of that campaign. But evidently, neither Sessions nor Trump was aware of that. So I like to take some credit for the Sessions recusal, which, of course, led to Rod Rosenstein appointing Bob Mueller. But Whitaker doesn't have to recuse himself, even though before he went to the Justice Department, he was kind of a regular on CNN bashing the Mueller investigation. Evidently, Trump could not find anyone he could rely on to shut down the Mueller investigation who hadn't been on TV calling it a witch hunt. Now, it isn't clear whether Whitaker's appointment is actually legal. He is he's a principal, which He reports directly to the president and therefore needs confirmation by the Senate. There are a couple of lawsuits that are challenging his appointment. I I suppose they may work their way up to the Supreme Court, and who knows, maybe Justice Kavanaugh will provide the, the deciding vote. And then Whitaker could completely prevent any Mueller report from leaving the Justice Department so that Congress and the public... Don't see it, and I find this very disturbing. That somehow our system could allow Trump to completely bury the Mueller report, and it it just has brought to a head my longtime concern that Donald Trump is a real threat to our democracy. There are a lot of hallmarks of autocracy in the Trump presidencies. There's the member of members of his family in the white house and profiteering from their positions there foreign countries that pay top dollars to stay at trump's hotel in dc there is the the constant lying the attacks on the media calling their stories fake news calling them the enemies of the people the attacks on federal judges the cronies that show up in the administration that themselves seem to be self-dealing and of course Trump's admiration of dictators and thugs around the world Kim Jong-un uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman uh, Philippine president Rodrigo Duterte and of course for some reason he has this relationship with Vladimir Putin so I spoke a couple of days ago with David Frum, author of Trumpocracy the Corruption of the American Republic uh, David is a writer for the Atlantic Monthly. He was a a speechwriter for President George W. Bush. David's a Republican. But he has been right on Donald Trump from the get-go, and it was my pleasure to have the following conversation with David Frump. Let's let's listen in. You're a Canadian Jew? Mm-hmm. So you know some Minnesota Jews? I know know where the Jews live. Yeah. (laughs) In every city in in (laughs) the country? I keep up. up. (laughs) Do you speak to JCCs and stuff? I do a lot of that, yes. Okay, very good. Very nice. Let's go to this constitutional crisis because Trumpocracy is basically about the worry that we're losing our democracy or we're heading that direction. And that's what, to, to me, this Whitaker appointment... Really is about. I am scared. There's kind of a lot of sleazy stuff in his past. This uh, it's called world patent marketing. Okay, they partnered with Dr. Ronald Mallet to make his vision of time travel possible. Yeah, that seems um, doubtful. Well. I have this theory that time travel isn't possible, and and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because if someone in the future develops time travel, they'll he'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll come they'll come back and they'll just get out. You can't keep that
1: secret. You mean the guy who get wins every race at Belmont Stakes? And people say, how is it you know all the winners of this race?
0: Yeah, it, it's How is it you baseball. always pick the it's successful everything. stocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, it'll get out. So that means to me it's not yeah. possible. So yeah. I think world patent marketing was kind of uh, sleazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm thinking.
1: The reason this Whitaker thing is so important, the, the 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 thing I talked about in Trumpocracy and the reason for the title of the book is there have been a lot of books about the gaudy, oversized personality of Donald Trump. And in Michael Wolff's book, Bob Woodward's book, which I actually liked less than Michael Wolff's book, but the personality, I mean, I mean, the country's full of dysfunctional personalities and the point of your political and party and constitutional system is to keep dysfunctional personalities away from major political offices, at least the presidency. And the question of the Trump era is how did this happen? And so what I am interested in is not Donald Trump, the person, but Donald Trump, the system of power, hence the title, Trumpocracy, a system of power. Rule, And you see that with someone like Whitaker. Presidents all the time want to make bad appointments. Or not all the time, but even the, the most high-minded president will from time to time want to do a peevish or a vindictive or a selfish or short-sighted thing. And then they're surrounded by people and systems and, and advisors do who say, don't do that. Right. Uh, and, but that's assuming you're surrounded by and the, quality people. And then there's something usually in yourself that even even the presidents who were kind of more vindictive, more nasty pieces of work, there's almost none of them who didn't have some higher also part of his spirit and soul that had a vision of the kind of president that... They
0: wanted to be known as. Yes. Nixon wanted to be known as a foreign policy.
1: guy, right. And therefore we got EPA. and We got all these... Great things because you didn't really care that much about him. Nixon had, Nixon had his cronies, but where he didn't – he had John Mitchell as his attorney general. But where he didn't, he appointed some of the most – actually, person for person, one of the most impressive cabinets. in America. He also appointed George Shultz. He also had Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Um, and he was able to persuade them to come work for him and to stay working. They didn't quit. What has happened here is something is broken at the core of the American system of government. It's not just this one bad person. It's a larger problem. And that's the thing that I want to focus on. And Whitaker brings it to a head because I don't believe Donald Trump intends to be a dictator. His problem is he he intends to enrich himself. He doesn't respect any laws. And he has a whole mass of past, present legal exposures. So he's in this problem where if the rule of law continues to function as it should, he's in trouble. And so, yes, he's authoritarian. Yes, he doesn't respect democracy. Yes, he identifies with foreign thugs and bullies. But the thing driving him is his own vulnerabilities force him to shut down the legal system of the United States, or else it'll send him eventually to prison. And he surrounds himself with venal, subpar folks, exactly. like this guy. Yeah. Like, well, look at who his lawyer was: Michael Cohen. If Donald yeah. Trump were the kind of New York, you and he meet, wants Roy Cohen back. Yes. Yeah. If you meet, if you meet even a pretty <laughs> nasty. Uh, major real estate developer, he has a, maybe not the most ethical lawyer in the world, but at least a really smart lawyer. And at least a lawyer who, if he needs to arrange financing for something quickly, doesn't have to rely on his home equity line of credit. Trump is surrounded by these low-grade people because he's a low-grade person, but also because everyone knows he's going to ask you to do something you shouldn't want to do. Right. And so the people who will take that job are people who are willing to do stuff you, they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And that is now the core of the federal government. That's the White House. The White House is full of people willing to do things they shouldn't do. And you say Trump doesn't want to be an autocrat. I I take issue with that. Well, let me put it. Let me it. He seems that.
0: to admire autocrats, first of all. And he, uh, just his posture, just his where his chin is. Yes. The Mussolini chin. The... Uh, only I can solve this stuff. That's in his convention okay, that, speech. That's, that's all true. All that is so so authoritarian. Surrounding yourself with your family and profiteering uh, all of that has all the signs of an autocracy and a kleptocracy yeah. which you talk about. The Right. Yes which is well, filling not- your uh, cabinet with incompetent
1: Venal people. The kleptocracy so comes first. The driving force here. It isn't because Trump is not somebody. Unlike say, oh, let's give the him credit. <laughs> He's, it, the
0: money's more important than the being a dictator.
1: Er, Erdogan in Turkey is a is a dictator and an authoritarian. But he also has a vision of a kind of Islamic society that he wants to build, and then he steals along the way. With Trump, he's got a vision of himself being the richest man in the world, being um, you know hanging out with Putin and the others, and you need to break the legal system to do it. And I I don't stress this to make a you know to have an argument about emphasis his character, but just say the way in which the American political system is is vulnerable to him. Where are the points of vulnerability? The story of his presidency to date, the story of the book is again and again the places where the system should be triggered and the, the wall should close, and, the, and you're prevented from doing things, it, it doesn't happen. He also has gutted the State Department. He's gutted
0: so many agencies, the EPA. Mm-hmm. He does not believe in government. He believes in Donald Trump. He didn't want a State Department making any decisions. He didn't want to do a transition. He didn't want a transition committee because it costs something, and he said, that's my money. And he doesn't understand anything about government. He's never had any interest in government except for uh, pay, payoffs for his business. This is very scary in terms of we have a government that doesn't work. Right. And, and, and in the absence of it working, it becomes Donald Trump's government.
1: This is why these norms are... You say have become so famous. When I started working on the article for The Atlantic that became the book, I began thinking of various kinds of criminal endeavors that you might do if you're a president. I took them to people who'd worked in past White House counsel's office, Democratic and Republican. I would say, OK, if a, if a president did this, if a president communicated to the prime minister of Malaysia, I'd really appreciate it if you would cut my son-in-law in on an office development. You mean like Jared? Yeah. What would stop? What would be the barrier? And again and again, you discover, well, there's there's no barrier. There's no law that says you can't do it. You just assume the president wouldn't do it. Well, well, what if the president insisted? What if the president went ahead? Well, you know, I mean, eventually you trip up over some statute, but we've always relied on a kind of understanding. And presidents are subject to fewer rules than their counterparts in parliamentary systems. And the big oversight over them is an effective Congress. And the, the way the system is designed is it's less that the president is bound by rules than that he's restrained by his own sense of honor but also knowing that congress is looking and that will speak up and, and if, now that we have a democratic house yeah, that let's hope but, probably
0: will happen and we'll see what happens in terms of his cooperation and i have a, uh, some very bad feelings this is why i'm worried about our democracy and i do think that when you admire putin When you admire uh, Kim Jong Un, uh, he clearly admires dictators. Mm -hmm. What happens if he loses in 2020, but it's close? What? (laughs) um, This guy has he ever surprised you in terms of what he
1: does? Has have you ever
0: been surprised?
1: I, well, I, I um unfortunately have had the experience of having in my family life, a person with malignant narcissistic personality disorder. So I, I actually – I know, often know what Donald Trump is going to do before he does it because I recognize his mental illness. And, no. and who in your family is that? <laughs> they don't listen to podcasts. So. Okay. Um, well, all the better. <laughs> who, who is it? Uncle? Um, um, my family circle. My family circle. Okay. Um, but We'll you know, find out later. In. It was Uncle Ira. Uncle Ira. Here's the one that uh, Hillary Clinton was asked during one of the debates if there's anything about Donald Trump that she admired. I always hate this question, and it
0: seems like unfair. You know what? I always anticipated that, and I always, uh, because I was in a number of debates, obviously, uh, when I was running, and I always wanted to do... uh, Gee, I can't think of anything. (laughs) Get the laugh and then go, no, no, I admire his... He's a good dad, or something right. like that. Well, that's what Hillary Clinton said. <laughs> he he makes sure that his kids are uh, rich, and he's not. He's a terrible dad. But here's
1: the one yeah. thing: <laughs> he, he's a terrible father. He's a terrible well, father. By your measure, yeah. I mean, you know. but but here's the thing. Here's the, when you ask this question. Here's the one thing about him that I think you can say that is I think sort of positive, which is Donald Trump is not a hypocrite. He doesn't pretend to be a good. Father, he doesn't pretend to be a good husband. He doesn't pretend to be a good Christian. Um, yes, he, he does. He says
0: I'm a I'm a Christian, he, and he, he gets and he also attacks anyone who says he isn't a good Christian. But he does. He, I mean, come he, on. He does. He's a total hypocrite. He's a hypocrite he every
1: second of the day. He doesn't. He lies. He lies. But he he lies about things. He doesn't. He. No. What he, he is, lies about himself all he, it the is friggin' all, time. It is all there for you. Does he go to church? Does no he, one is. Does he look pious? No one is less racist than me. Okay, but <laughs> but he says that. But here is what he doesn't do. Here is what he does. Well, doesn't that's do. hypocrisy. But what he doesn't do is he has no inhibitions. Okay, but you won't acknowledge that I'm right. I'm, I don't. I, I don't think <laughs> you, this one. I don't think you are because okay. because what okay. I mean by this point, point about non-hypocrisy. A president who was conscious of racism as a point of vulnerability would make extra sure to have lots of token members of minorities around him, would be extra careful about being polite. I mean, he doesn't it, care
0: about appearances. If he did, he wouldn't have
1: he well, wouldn't. You. That's what I meant. That's that's the definition no. of not being hypocritical. He does he, he does not he said he does he's not seriously trying to People about who he is, and that means the people around him don't have any excuse. They know who he is, and one of the things I think is part of the secret of his appeal is he's liberated a lot of people by showing this is the kind of person you can be.
0: Listen, his message is every politician is lying to you, and so I'm gonna, you know, lie to you. But
1: I'm telling you the truth when I lie to you.
0: Yeah, you know, it it is the thing that that he clearly lies. In order to sort of own the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. One of the things a con man does is he involves you in, a, in something at the outset that is that he makes you know is a criminal scheme. Because he's looking for the people who are vulnerable to that. And that has been sort of what Donald Trump has has done to the country. He's got this great bully's ability to find weaknesses, both in people and in the political system. By the way, I'm not saying that the American government doesn't work. I'm just saying that, I mean, in many ways, obviously, it, it works Well, I mean, the planes land, the passports get issued. But dollar for dollar, increment of human energy for increment of human energy, um, it works less well than comparably developed countries. What has held it always together is much more set of informal behaviors. And you see this in the United States government. It's much harder to whip Congress and certainly the Senate than it is to whip the House of Commons or the German Bundestag. The Senate and, and the House are held together by understanding that this is what we do this is what we don't do. The question that haunts me and that the, that the book's about is to say, this is not a book about him. It's, it's a book about us. Why, why is this working? Because if you can understand that, you can also understand the answer to the question, what happens when he eventually goes away? One way or another, he will eventually go away. But if, we're, if we don't change, then we're still vulnerable. And next, And the next guy like him may be harder working, may have a better understanding of how government works.
0: Uh, I think that's part of his charm that he not, does not understand how government works, and that's part of the chaos he has engendered. And I think he takes advantage of that. I am very, very concerned. Yes, he's going to go away, but when? Mm-hmm. And what's going to succeed him?
1: And what will our form of government <laughs> right. be well, that, when <laughs> before he goes away? Those and if he were just an aberration, or if he just came from, if he were just some freakish person. But when there were some pre-existing conditions before he came in, right, and and that's the thing we really need to think a lot about. And and
0: one of the one of the things that I worry about is that younger people aren't that tied to democracy,
1: right. And if you see polls, this uh, is the Asha Monk survey of the seventeen democracies, and is democracy the best form of government? Is it? I think the question is: Do you personally find it indispensable? To live under a democracy, right? And our youth, I guess, are is surprisingly high. Who say, eh? Yeah, forty percent, something like that. And not just ours. This is true across the developed world. Actually, let me let me throw in a complicated teaching here. That'll sort of because one of the arguments I sometimes have with more liberal audiences. They want to put Donald Trump into the Republican tradition. He's George Wallace. He's Richard Nixon's Southern strategy. And they, they want to look up in time into the American past to explain Donald Trump. And obviously, that's some degree of truth to that. But I keep insisting you also have to look across, not just upward, backward up into time, but across geography. Because you're seeing more and more of this all across the developed world in places where they didn't have George Wallace. I mean, there are Trumps in the Netherlands. There are Trumps in... Germany. The, they've had some racism in Germany. They've ha- but if they that, have a history of. it. But the 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 question you need to ask is why is it happening across the world and why is it happening now? You know, I'm sure in in every. I mean, look at Germany. So Germany in. Um, I mean, Germany's one of the. Well, countries-
0: there there is uh, in Germany. I think because of refugees coming from Syria. I think that has spiked some of the resentment and that was Merkel saying these people are in a war that's no fault of their own let's let's take them in and if you look at i mean we, what we're doing is a disgrace in terms of the limits that we've put on syrian refugees it is a disgrace i mean you look at the statue of liberty give me your tired, your poor your huddled masses yearning to be free that's what our country is supposed to be and by the way these First generation people and second generation people are, are, are terrific gifts to us. What he's doing is inhumane. and uh, Okay, he's not hypocritical about that, he, but he's a hypocritical, like, do you call this hypocrisy? We're going to build a wall and Mexico will pay for it. And then
1: when Mexico doesn't pay for it, he won't acknowledge it.
0: That's that? deceptive.
1: Uh, that's that's crooked. But it, it's it's look it's not pretending.
0: How about calling every thing from CNN and the New York Times fake news? And everything out of his mouth, not everything, but almost everything is is fake. Uh, isn't that hip, hypocritical? That's isn't he, that the definition of hypocrisy?
1: Hypocrisy is I'm going to so- I'm going to Ram this down your throat, man. Hypocrisy, <laughs> <Hippocracy, laughs> the famous classic definition, is the tribute the vice pays to virtue. Um, that you're a vicious person, but you acknowledge that people are supposed to look virtuous. And so you affect the behavior of a virtuous person. You pretend to be godly. You pretend to be loving. You pretend to be kind. You pretend to be charitable. He, he, he never pretends oh, to be Oh, he does person.
0: pretend to be charitable. Doesn't he? The, I mean, he isn't. He isn't, profoundly not. But does he pretend
1: to be? Um, he, he, he doesn't really. There, 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 are moments where he, no, there are moments where he has done a little... But he, so the answer but, to that is yes. Trump has made it very clear what kind of person he is. It's all there for you to know. The, the question of who he is is not the important question. The question is who are we and why, why is the American system and why are other countries... How about,
0: how about who are the Republicans in Congress who are afraid
1: to say anything? That's an important question, too. That's an important question, too. Why are they so afraid? I mean, it's, it's sort of striking. I, mean, I think of um, someone like Bob Corker, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Really important job. And retiring. And retiring. And, retiring. and a wealthy man, by the way. Someone popular in his town. Someone who has you know nothing, nothing to fear. Nothing much to look, you know. Uh, no, no reason to doubt about his welcome when he gets back home. Um, someone who can go on to a career of teaching and playing golf and uh, enjoying life. There is no reason at all for him not to use the potential power of the of that chairmanship to to get to the bottom of some questions that as a Republican I mean never mind the, the things that Republicans that Trump does that Republicans sort of like Republicans don't like the Putin stuff get to the bottom of that um, you know what using the investigative powers you have well you know what the bottom of that is well I think I do. <laughs> tell, tell me tell me <laughs> I,
0: I think that uh, he is a guy who's not very credit worthy in the United States because of going. Uh, bankrupt um, and so spectacularly bankrupt and that he needed uh, capital from someplace and the Russians provided it with him. And you point out in the book that, what, 96 Russians bought condos from him
1: and, uh, you know, that the flourishing of the numbered companies, Trump begins selling, you know, Florida condos to to numbered companies. And one of the things to understand about Florida, as I'm sure you as of course you know, is that Florida has this own homestead exemption. If you if you own real property in Florida and you get into trouble, that it can't be seized. So in Florida, it really makes sense to own your property personally, not through a company. Okay. And yet and yet Trump and most most condos in Florida are going to be three percent owned by numbered companies, ninety seven percent owned by named individuals, because that's just the smart way to buy real estate in Florida. Trump Towers, beginning about two years before he runs for president, suddenly have this huge run up in purchases by numbered companies.
0: So that's covering the identity of, of, the of identity. and And so you tell me.
1: Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. You're right. But Bob Corker, you would think, would want to know that. Wouldn't you? Yeah.
0: What the hell is it with Bob Corker? What mm-hmm. the hell is it? And is it uh, Republicans won't like me as much anymore? Or what the hell is it? I'm trying to find the Republican Party that you want to return to or – I don't see any – they're there. I don't see a, the Republican Party that you're imagining. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm
1: not discerning it. I'm not saying it's there. What I'm saying is okay, what's, so what's going to happen. It, it's not is, there. Is, there is, there's it, going to be pain. There are going to be defeats. They're deserved. At that point, the party's going to have some choices to make. Now, by the way, one of the one of the choices is to double down on Trumpism and to become a true. And you're seeing this happening right now in Great Britain, where in the face of this looming Brexit disaster, the Conservative Party is becoming a more chauvinist party. A you know that people sometimes intensify on their mistakes at exactly the moment when they most need to correct them. That's a possible future. And but obviously, I'm, the I'm people
0: who won, they won, right? So the ones that remain. In office said I did something right Mm -hmm. so they'll double down and I just don't I don't see a a Republican Party that learns from this I feel like the Republicans who see what's happening have left so how does the future look to you either he loses or uh, I think the, the our system turns into something that's not really recognizable this thing scares the hell out of me because this Mueller investigation has clearly been about did the russians did they have trump did they own trump and we need to know that and we need to know what happened there and that's why i think he's acting
1: kind of crazy Mm -hmm. lately i mean more so there are moments of stress you can chart them and and Moments when he's feeling better and moments when he's feeling worse. And there are sort of spikes of stress. So I was heartened by this election. I was heartened by this election. Keep in mind this. In 2018, 5 million more votes were cast for Republican members of the House than were cast for Republican members of the House in 2010. And how many more votes for Democrats more in the than, House? And, and even, even more. Um, but what you're seeing is, and th- this, is, this goes to your concern about how, how worried should we be, that we're seeing very successful mobilizations of, of, of the country on ethnic lines. In 2016, the Republicans deployed their mobilization more effectively than the Democrats. This time they didn't get so lucky. Um, I mean, the Republicans always have the advantage of a better map. but this level of mobilization is going to be a real feature in American life. This is not a relaxed time. I mean I don't Here, think
0: here's another thing to worry about, and that is demographics in terms of our constitution. By I think two thousand forty is it seventy percent of Americans will live in fifteen states. So set uh, thirty center. Senators- calculation of your classmate Norm Ornstein, I think. Exactly, <laughs> and he he grew up in St. Louis Park too.
1: <laughs> okay. So, uh where were we? Um we were, we're talking about Russia, we were talking about um the outcome of these elections, we were talking about uh the, con- the country's level of mobilization and things things to be to pay attention to and to be worried about. I was just pounding the drum of saying pay attention to the system, not the man. The system, not the man. The power the power relationships, not the individuals, because the individuals will be gone, but Trump found something real and his counterparts in other countries are finding that same real thing. And that's 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 so this subject.
0: is so democracy is retreating a little bit right. around the
1: world. Right. When that happens, we have to dig in. The thing I keep telling audiences when I talk about this is it's alarming, but also be grateful to live at a time when your country needs you. Things have to be renewed. I mean, we have been playing in many ways the, uh, the same political game on the same issues. For a very long time, I mean, Trump keeps trying to reuse the 1968 election script over and over and over again. Hard hats versus, you know, law and order, right? And I mean, race—it's from a half century ago. It's a half century ago. This is a moment where the country needs to move into a whole, a, a new mental map, and to think, okay, the issues are going to be different in the future than they've been for the past half century, and uh, the parties are going to be different. They're going to—they're going to look different. Um, They're going to appeal to different kinds of people. And if the people want to defend American institutions as they were, are not alert to the way things are changing. They are going to lose ground to people like Donald Trump and Steve Bannon who have a clear sense of, of realities and possibilities.
0: And what these guys have done is divided America. That's what they've done. If They've exacerbated the divisions in this country, uh, along the lines of race, along the lines of class, along lines of gender identity, and I feel that Trump's side is nasty <laughs> and brutish. That's of course true. So what are you going to do? Well, we're trying to. I'm trying to talk to people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you. Well, that w- helps. What What is the thing that what is does, does this help? What, is, what, is, what what we're doing right now? Yeah, I think it. <laughs> I, I, yes, I do. Okay, so so one of my worries the beginning of the Trump presidency was that Trump wanted to provoke a certain kind of response to his presidency. And I, I wrote an article for the Atlantic. I got a lot of blowback about this because I'm a very conservative person, and here I am presuming to give advice to non-conservative people. But I said, "Do not go to protests. Don't go into the streets." I think th- you're wrong there because th- because it, it, it churns up the. It's a resource. Go to meetings. Go to meetings. Democracy is about meetings. Sometimes you have to have a meeting to organize the <laughs> protest. <laughs> I
0: mean, that's true. Run candidly. Like, How do you think these protests happen? They they, they have meetings be political. to plan the protest. But they're anti-political. What, what, once no, you go to the protest and you get inspired by the other people there. And you it, see in the
1: street, you see neighbors and you see people and there's a spirit if they're pulling to, you back into the organized political system that's a good thing um, if they're pulling you away from political activity that that's a bad thing so, i think
0: they're bringing people toward um, political activity i think the the woman's march wa- brought people into politics i think we just saw it right yes and i, I thought
1: that was a very and, so I, and think wrong, I, look, I think you're wrong that's
0: why you got so much pushback from your
1: article because you're just you're just flat wrong. Except except, I think the warning was heated. The content of the idea, the, the the thing that has heartened me is that people have put their energies into constructive places. As I as I've been traveling first to promote the book and then to research more books and more articles. I mean, what you see is people behaving in um, system system positive ways, and. When your system is in trouble, you don't save the system by acting in anti-system ways. Yeah, you, if, if you're if you're the defenders of the system, you have to be system positive.
0: Okay, well, I think uh, a an organized protest is system positive. I I really do, and I, I I just know from experience that you go to the protest and people get motivated, and then they get motivated to run for office, or people get motivated to distribute literature the phone calls they they do get motivated to do i think exactly what you're saying so i don't think they're antithetical to each other that's all mm-hmm.
1: that's it, all if they're but if the protests humbly are, i'm just saying that humbly <laughs> if, if the protests are lawful but there, there was well, what are you talking about what, what <laughs> the,
0: yeah no no i'm not for unlawful you know like you're talking like Brick
1: throwing and that, store windows and Donald Trump would try to goad people at the beginning of his presidency. He would he he said, he, he would he would tweet um, uh, burning the American flag should be illegal. Now why did he do that? Because he's hoping somebody would get mad and go burn an American flag. Okay, don't do that, everybody. He, that he and that he 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 would try to incite that he's trying to conjure up the vision of the kind of opposition that he wants that he knows how to deal with and he hasn't gotten that and that's been heartening and so. When you say what does the future hold, I, th- I think we're moving into a, a, a very new kind of politics, and so far the record is quite um, exciting of people being system positive, being responsible. It's not 1968 all over again. Uh, it's quite the opposite.
0: I understand that, and 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 I had you on because I admire. I really uh, like this book, and you were the one I wanted to have talk about the threat to democracy. That's that's why I, I had you on. Thank <laughs> you for the hospitality. Oh gosh, thank you for for coming in. Uh we've been talking to David Frum, author of Trumpocracy: The Corruption of the American Republic. Is that in paperback now? It just came out in paperback in October. Okay. And so and uh I would imagine there is a forward to it. There's a new forward that that updates it. Yes. And it's uh, Red- knowing you, it's a long forward. So it's well
1: updated. Uh, It is a long forward.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, It isn't one of these two page forms that I do. Well, I I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. I I listened again, and I got to say something about the the time machine. There's no way that it's possible because if it were possible, someone from the future would have come back and killed Hitler. That's the first thing you do. You kill Hitler. And I know you could say, well, maybe there was someone worse than Hitler and they killed him. No. Hitler, they Hitler, so there's no time machine. Also, what I really would fear if someone from the future uh, had a time machine, they'd try to be the Beatles. They would, like in 1961, they would, She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Beatles song. Hey, Jude, do the whole thing except maybe Octopus's Garden. And then the Beatles would have had one hit. and And Ringo would have been the big star. So this is how awful... This would have been, and and the guy would do all call. He'd do The Godfather, from the money he made buying Apple, and I know Apple's later, but he's got a time machine, okay? So uh, he would be able to pay Pacino and and Brando, and he'd do go shot for shot. He would have the, uh, and it wouldn't be as good because it, there's no Coppola, and that's really where the genius is. I want to thank Leo Kotke for his beautiful music. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this. If you did, uh, tell friends about it. I hope we do another one of these. Thanks.